The Your Mark on the World show is made possible by our sponsors, including ACLA Impact, Seed Equity Ventures, and Clean Energy Advisors. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. Our guest today is Dr. Vicki Whiting. She is a professor of leadership and management at Westminster College, and she has an important thesis, and that is that kindness is critical to success. Dr. Whiting, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Devin. I'm excited to be here. We're really happy to have you, Vicki. appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to be with us. You know, I, I'm fascinated by kindness because it is one of those principles that I value more than any other, and yet that I struggle uh, tremendously to actually implement in my life. It, it, it is so difficult. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to you more about how to incorporate leadership meaning or, or kindness into uh, a business context and to be uh, to help improve my success via uh, kindness. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who, uh, to one degree or another, feel the same way. Um, you provided in advance, and I wrote a little bit about this uh, with your insights, uh, uh, you know, these three key insights that you shared about kindness. Your first observation was that kindness is powerful. Tell us about why you think kindness is so powerful. If you, if you look at the way that human beings interact and what we respond to and what we engage in, and we look at as leaders when we're trying to influence other people's behaviors, the, the research consistently shows uh, that people are more willing to align behind an individual and their vision if they are engaged from a place of kindness. Uh, in terms of um, a connection. And, and so by feeling that connection, then you're going to get more synergy moving toward what it is you're trying to be successful at achieving. Now, you note that kindness is more than being nice. What do you mean by that? Uh, that I sometimes that think of kindness my... and nice as being the syn- synonyms. Right. And that was, uh, that was one of my key ahas as I started uh, researching, uh, starting in positive organizational leadership and then trying to understand what, what the common thread is around those different ideas. And my big aha is as I went back through researchers all the way back to Aristotle, at some point kindness morphed from this idea of a combination of accountability as well as compassion, both for ourselves and of others, into this idea that it's this surface level, be nice, don't make waves. And as soon as I understood, all right, it, it's been misunderstood so that leaders think, oh, if I'm nice, I can't hold people accountable. Leader or Kindness is exactly the opposite of that. Kindness says you do uh, hold people accountable. You are honest with people, telling them things that they may not want to hear, but you tell it in a way that is uh, engaged with their growth, with their opportunity. And, um, and so it's so much 
more than perhaps what uh, some people have come to just assume it to mean, which is to kind of just go along with things and, and don't rock the boat. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but I, at the same time, I think there, there must be limits to that. I mean, the, I guess I'm going to tell you something that I don't like to talk about just to help us drill down. Yep. But uh, when I was the chief financial officer of a global food and beverage company, we had a guy join our treasury department. And uh, he'd been with us 30 days, almost exactly. So he's still officially in that probationary state. I asked him to do something vitally important. Um, he kind of did it. Quite literally, what I, he, he, he did all the work. He sent an email and he turned off his machine so quickly before he left after sending pressing send that the email didn't send. So I didn't get the email. The work was, in my mind, vitally important, urgent. We were going to make, uh, uh, as I recall, what we were going to do is make um, a hedge. So we we're going to execute a trade based on his analysis. Mm -hmm. He left, went home. I didn't get the message. When he came in the next day, I fired him. Because um, I felt like he'd failed. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel and doesn't feel to me today that that was appropriate. Uh, in hindsight, I look back and say that was too harsh. Yes, I held him accountable. Um, but I wonder how you think about how you evaluate that situation and others like it. I mean, there are countless situations where people are fired every day. Uh, should some of those not be, I mean, what do you think? Great question. So um, in that situation, I, I do executive coaching and I, and I work with uh, executives of, of large organizations uh, where we have this conversation and um, to, to acknowledge that, okay, my first thought is that he didn't do what I asked him to uh yeah, I, 30 days, let's get rid of him, is a natural instinct. Um, and in leading with kindness, you reflect on that natural instinct, that reaction, and think, okay, what's the best way for me to respond in, in a more thoughtful way? And so that's where that accountability comes together with compassion or empathy, if you will, where you say, okay, let me have a discussion with him first, to say, help me understand. And I think those are the three most powerful words for any leader acting with kindness. If you are, whether you're choosing to use the word kindness to define your leadership or not, when you say, help me understand, then you're giving them a chance to give their perspective. And if the answer then is defensive on his part and he says, well, you didn't give me enough time to, to do the analysis or uh, they somehow deflect their accountability in that situation. Then you start looking and going, okay, in the bigger context, do I want someone who made an error and won't take responsibility for it? As opposed to that conversation where he said, oh my goodness, I, I thought that it had gone. Um, how can I make this right? What can we do to, for me to convince you that you should be able to trust me given that this was a mistake? Uh, so if we look at the current example of Wells Fargo and, um, and their CEO, 
his lack of willingness to take accountability as the CEO for his organization, in my mind, is such an example of someone who is so focused on themselves and what they want and protecting their own uh, pride, whatever it is. I, I, I haven't met him, so I don't know, but it feels that way in the video. Well, that's, that's not what's going to allow you to have a long-term legacy of success as an organization or as an individual. Well, well, since you brought it up, if the board is trying to use your leadership principles, including kindness as you've defined it, how do they treat the CEO of Wells Fargo, Mr. Stump? Well, ideally, what, what research would show is if the, if the board was engaged in creating this culture where uh, people were fully engaged in their work and um, holding both themselves accountable for what those organizational values are and what uh, the expectations are for the way employees would act, which would be in an honest manner, um, then the fact that you would have a CEO that would actually behave in that way should be precluded because they wouldn't look to hire someone. Um, they would be, uh, they would be looking at in the quarterly board meetings, uh, how are his behaviors aligning with these critical culturally held, um, and legally bound, right. Um, values of honesty and integrity. And, uh, so you would, you would either apply this to your hiring criteria so that you've got people who are aligned behind that, or you would see indications way earlier when you, you looked at the number of loans skyrocketing and saying, okay, well, let's understand what marketing is working to cause this to happen. You would drill down instead of going like, oh, wow, look, we're doing great, and not asking what is it that's causing us to do great, and are we doing great the right way? So if you contrast that to, say, perhaps the Southwest Airlines, who in my mind really exudes uh, and has since the very beginning this type of kind leadership, well, the board reinforces it. Uh, all behaviors are reinforced that way. And so then we see these examples where I don't know in, um, in your streams whether you saw the example of the plane that, that turned around on the runway because – they got a message that one of their passengers' childs had been in a car accident. Well, the organization, nobody told them to do this. They just knew that this is the value of organization. If we've got a passenger on board whose child has been in a life-threatening illness, it is the right thing for us to do to get that parent to her child. And they did everything in terms of rerouting her, getting her food, making sure she had transportation, Nobody told them to do that, but the board and Herb Kelleher had put that into the organization's DNA. And that's one reason why Southwest Airlines is able to run so efficiently and effectively. And people work there and don't leave because they appreciate that kind of respect and they know how to behave aligned with those kind principles. I think you, you hit on something important there. People won't leave Southwest Airlines because of that culture I've been worried about uh, Wells Fargo losing the 
honest, kind, good people that they have after this embarrassment because people will feel like their reputations have been tarnished. Is Do you see that happening or do you think I'm worrying about nothing? No, I think we absolutely see that happening. Not only the, the employees who say, I need to work for an organization that I can be proud of. Um, I, uh, I played tennis with a few of my friends yesterday and one of the gals said, I'm taking my money out of Wells Fargo. I do not want my money to be in an organization that this is what they allow to happen. And then we heard that California said, you know what, you can't operate in California for a year. And so at some point, and that, that is this whole point, you can in the short term benefit with acting against kind principles. At some point, it will catch up with you. Yeah. Well, it is a, a, a great example of uh, ethics uh, sort of running amok or leaving town altogether. Uh, yes. And it's tragic in some ways because I think the bank had tried to create a culture that valued ethics, but they got fixated on this uh, cross-selling idea at a ridiculous scale, right? They were talking about trying to push people to have an average of eight accounts if I heard the statistics right, and the industry average is something like 2.1 or something uh, mm -hmm. accounts per customer. So they, it was just nuts. Well, enough about Wells Fargo. Um, listening is kind, you say. Tell us a little bit more about listening. We, you hinted at it with the uh, comment about help me understand, but uh, why is listening such a kind principle? The only way we're going to be able to connect and commit to an organization, to a team, to a leader, to an idea is to understand where both of us are coming from. And in, in any relationship, organizationally, interpersonally, um, there are going to be different perspectives when trying to understand an issue or when, when making a decision to move forward. And if there is not honest listening, uh, the help me understand is just a short, quick way to get to that. Um, we, as human beings, are predisposed to look at the world through the only lens we have, which is our lens. And we know from the, the self-fulfilling kind of uh, attribution theory that we cut ourselves a lot more slack than we do other people. And so the only way to move out of that lens, which is, well, I can only see this one way forward. You know, the only way I'm going to be able to hit these loan goals is if I just start making up accounts. Um, if we don't listen and say, okay, what is the real problem here? And, then look for solutions that align in everyone's best interests as much as possible or to come up with some kind of compromise if everyone's uh, needs and, and uh, ideas aren't able to be encompassed. Uh, until you get to that point, um, you risk the person with more power running ahead with what they feel is best and because whether through a hierarchy in an organization or a, uh, a sense of uh, higher self-esteem, whatever it is that causes this power differential, the person with higher 
power is going to, whether intentionally or unintentionally, set the tone. And the only way that that you're able to even that power differential and understand how can we make this work for everyone is to have a dialogue. And any dialogue requires listening on the part of both people. Yeah. Interesting. I, I really appreciate you sharing these insights, Vicki, and I appreciate you taking the time. I, I want to just shift gears a little bit and ask you a couple of personal insights. You are clearly a role model. You, you, you did the brilliant uh, TEDx talk earlier this year. You uh, are highly regarded in and out of uh, academia. Who do you look up to as a role model? First and foremost, my my parents are, I was just given the absolute genetic lottery win. Um, my, my parents instilled this idea. I was raised on Dale Carnegie from the moment that I could walk. And this how to win friends and influence people is really just kindness and practice. And, and so I was able to watch them and all of their interactions and how respectful they were to everyone, whether it was the clerk in the grocery store or to the mayor of the city, and uh, treating everyone equally, and yet also not putting up with crap. <laughs> they were not, you know, they, they were people who held us kids and the people that they interacted with to a standard um, of how do you, you know, with your idea, how do you leave your mark on the world? And they, they showed what that looked like in practice. And so I had that experience outside of my family. The one person that I was able to spend time with who just in spending time with him realigned my thinking was coach John Wooden. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have the great good fortune to sit down with him for uh, an afternoon with Mark Eaton and his son, myself and my son, um, and hear him talk about the way he approached leadership and how he brought that to the basketball court, how he brought that to the community, he brought it to UCLA. And the one thing that stuck out, stood out above anything else is his observation that if you showed up every day and you gave your 100% best that's all you could ask of yourself and um and that's holding yourself accountable to yourself and your own standards and your own values and his pyramid of success really does um then build around these other kind principles that we talked about and yet it in his mind all stemmed from just holding yourself to be your personal best yeah now you have chosen to focus your career on kindness. It's become kind of your thing. Mm -hmm. You could have focused on a lot of things. You could be down a path of uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, Jack Welch style management, which maybe you do think that fits in with kindness. Doesn't strike me as a kind approach. Right. Uh, why have you chosen kindness as, as your thing? I think it came from a very personal place. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know the word for it. Um, anyone that if you go to my website or you look at my background, uh, I, I have a, a child who has a, uh, a health issue, and it was um, 
became very critical. And um, if I look back at that point in our life when his, uh, his illness really became life-threatening and reflected on what was it that allowed our family to continue forward and have a real positive forward-looking attitude and continue to have the strength to fight through all of the challenges of having a critically ill child. It was because during that time, there was, there was just this host of angels that came in and, and held us up underneath in little and big ways, uh, not only helping with the meals, but also offering shoulders, also offering to help in, in, uh, in ways we'd come home from the hospital, our driveway would be plowed. And, um, and so as we continued to go through that journey of uh, this real significant um, life challenge, it was kindness, kindness at work, where people offered to help cover my classes or helped uh, lighten my load so that I could move between the hospital and still keep my job, which I had to have for healthcare. Um, and and I think that's where I started going. What would our our experience have been with if we hadn't had that kindness? And yeah. coupled with my leadership research, where you go, this is really their leaders because in you're leaving your mark in the world. It is you as a leader influencing from wherever you are. It's not this position within an organization. We all have the power to be leaders. And the best way for us to leave our mark on the world in that leadership, creating influence in some goal direction, best, fastest path to that is kindness. Oh, fantastic. Vicki, before you go, and I know you, you, you're, we're out of time, but before you go, tell people how they can learn more about your work and connect with you personally. Yes, well, I hope everyone will uh, watch my uh, my TEDx talk on kindness as a competitive advantage because uh, I really hope everybody in the world hears that message. We really need it right now. You can go to my website, VickiWhiting.com, and I'm active on Twitter at Doc Whiting. Um, so you can find me out on Facebook, uh, Vicki Graham Whiting. So I'm out there spreading my message of kindness. Great. Vicki, thank you very much for being with us today. We wish you every success in your effort to spread kindness. It's been a great opportunity to talk about it. Thanks so much, Devin. All righty. Let's do some good. At the intersection of financial services and social media, Gate Global Impact, GGI, uses new market infrastructure to facilitate investments in organizations that deliver a societal, environmental, and or a cause-related benefit in addition to a financial return. Seed Equity Ventures is a registered broker-dealer with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and a member of both FINRA and SIPC providing investment banking services to startups globally. Seed Equity's mission is to find the best and brightest entrepreneurs and connect them with global investors. Clean Energy Advisors creates investment opportunities in the renewable energy sector that provide clients with predictable income, preservation of capital, and positive impact. Clean Energy Advisors is committed to providing clients with investment opportunities with both market rates of return and measurable impact.
Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur, or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.